Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I think seeing the property my parents bought in 1987 for like $80,000 increase in value to be worth nearly like half a million in about 20 years um, got me understanding how property could be used to create wealth. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset and strategy. I'm Tyron Shump and in this episode, I'm speaking with property investor Stephen Trong on his journey from Vietnamese refugee to successful financial markets lawyer. With almost 10 separate properties under his belt, Trong shares how local government work inspired him to pursue property investment and exposes the downsides of investing in property. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. For almost two decades, Stephen Trong has balanced his full-time job as a lawyer with consistent success in the property investment field. My day is quite structured. Um, I get up in the morning, do a little bit of exercise and eat breakfast and head off to work. Um, I'm at work most days from about 8 to 6 p.m. Um, I've worked in many areas of law, but I'm currently a financial markets der- derivatives lawyer in the bank. Um, when I get home, I would read property investment articles and listen to podcasts until I go to bed. While Trong has bounced around several jobs as a lawyer, his 17 years of experience in property and banking have helped him secure an undoubtedly successful career in investment. He sees himself as more of a buy and hold type of investor. There was many years of you no know, growth during the GSC, but I've learned that if you know you can weather the property cycle and come out on the other side, it'll all be worth it. Um, the boom in these markets have allowed me to draw on my equity over the past few years and use that money as a buffer or to purchase more properties. I, I think realizing that need to go through these property cycles, whether it's one or two or three property cycles where there's going to be periods where it's going to be no growth at all and try to weather that that out. Um, that's where it, it, it becomes worth it. Because, I mean, the, the, the property market in, in, in Tasmania and Hobart um, uh, hadn't done anything for about 10 years. Um, and so only in the past year or so, it, it, it's kind of boomed as well. Coming from an impoverished background, Trong's family escaped to Australia via fishing boat just after the Vietnam War. Despite struggling for jobs in Sydney, Trong's parents were able to use their savings to provide Trong and his sister a future in the city a few years later. Well, I was born in Vietnam um, just after the Vietnam War ended. Um, my father had been a soldier in the South Vietnamese Army, so after having been released from a re-education camp, he and my mother 
who was also who was a nurse at the time, took me and my sister, who was less than a year old at the time, on a fishing boat and escaped to Vietnam. Um, we landed in Malaysia as refugees, and luckily I was accepted into the greatest country on earth, Australia, in 1979. Um, I was about three or yeah, I was about three or four years old at the time, and we settled in Perth. Um, after about six months in Perth, the family relocated to Sydney due to an inability for my parents to find any work. Um, so back in those days, yeah, it was uh, very little uh, work centred around Perth. Um, we moved to Sydney and I grew up in Newtown in Sydney and attended the local primary school until about year five when my parents managed to save for a house in the southwest of Sydney. Um, they managed to save enough and bought their home near Mount Pritchard in Sydney's southwest in about 1987 for about, I think, $80,000 at the time. Despite the debt that comes with buying property and their odd jobs, Chong's parents gave it their all. Uh, they borrowed about $40,000 from the bank and by the time my father retired in about the year 2000, he managed to finally pay off the loan. Apparently, the outstanding amount owing was still about $40,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, it looks like the interest rates just, you know, he was only really, really, really managing to pay off the interest. Um, yeah, he worked at Australia Post for about 25 years and took a voluntary redundancy package and finally managed to clear about $40,000 debt at, at his retirement. So he managed to pay that off at his retirement. Quite, quite amazing, he, he thought, because uh, after about 25 years with a mortgage, he still owed $40,000, which what well, he borrowed from the bank. So my mother, for about... All her time um, in Australia has been or had worked as a, um, a dressmaker. Um, so she was sewing, um, working in sweat, sweatshops, sewing, uh, you know, uh, garments uh, uh, in 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 the Asian areas of uh, suburbs of, of Sydney. Um, yeah, so for that whole time, even though she was a trained nurse back in Vietnam, um, like her, uh, I guess the, the, the only real job that she could get was as a dressmaker. He attended a high school in southwest Sydney before becoming a student at Sydney University. Then I attended the local high school um, in the southwest of Sydney and managed to get in, into combined law and economics degree at Sydney University in 1995 and um, yeah, finished that in the year 2000. Since then, Trong has been working in law for the last 17 years. Prior to starting investing in property, I worked as a paralegal in several law, law firms whilst I was at uni uh, and I graduated in 2000. I worked as a planning and local government lawyer for a law firm in the CBD uh, for a few years. Um, I think there is, that's where I got into understanding property and how the planning regimes and local government have an impact on the property uh, industry. Um, I was involved in a lot, with a lot of cases in the Land Environment Court um, when I was working at the firm, firm and, um, and as we had several local councils as our clients. Oh. I mean, although it was interesting work, I decided to, uh, I needed to expand my knowledge and ended up at um, a US investment bank, JP Morgan, um, in its derivatives business, um, and uh, worked for a few other different investment banks, Australian and international, over those years. and. Uh, and now I'm currently um, a lawyer at one of the major Australian banks. He also claims that his parents' hard-earned property and his university studies both influenced him to start investing in property himself. I think my interest in properties, I mean, probably started in university when property law was one of my favourite subjects. Um, 
then when I obviously started as a local government and planning lawyer, um, it just increased because I saw how the law operated in practice. Um, it was hard for my parents to invest in anything as it was hard enough for them to keep food on the table and clothes on their backs coming to a new country with no English skills. Um, but I, I think seeing the property my parents bought in 1987 for like $80,000 increase in value to be worth nearly like half a million in about 20 years um, got me understanding how property could be used to create wealth. Um, the great thing was my parents never asked me to stop with my purchases. Um, I think they knew it was best to invest in something rather than do nothing at all. Chong's journey with property investment started in Western Sydney. However, he quickly focused his money on property in Tasmania, choosing to play the waiting game. The first property my wife and I bought was our principal place of residence at the time. It was a unit in Western Sydney which we bought for about 250000 in I think early 2000. Um, we took advantage of the $15,000 first home owner's grant at the time to purchase that new unit. Um, we un- ended up selling that around 2007 for about the same price. Um, so it didn't seem like it moved much uh, between the early 2000 and 2007. Um, uh, our first investment property was um, actually a property we bought in a, a small um, city or small town um, in Tasmania called Burnie. Um, we bought that for about, I think, $100,000 at the time and sold it a few years later for about $130,000. Um, that type of property was the only property we could afford at the time. Um, we went on holidays to Tasmania one year and loved it so much, decided to buy property there. Coming up after the break, we'll delve deep into Trong's journey from his first property to his 12th. Mainly because I've only sold two prop- investment properties that I own and I bought about 12 in total over the years. Um, I currently have about seven in Hobart and three in Sydney. So I started buying the investment properties in Hobart around 2005. How he started on the right foot? I did spend some time but it, it was, uh, it, uh, I guess it, it wasn't um, to the point where you know, we, we had, we, we read over and over uh, about properties and the, the economy in the States, it was just more, uh, well, this looks affordable, um, looks like a nice area. His experiences with runaway tenants? There was one one incident where um, the tenants skipped out on the, um, the lease and uh, uh, left with, 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 without notification. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shump and you're listening to Property Investory. Podcast listeners, if you're finding this podcast super informative, then guess what? I'm giving you an exclusive free case study from property investors like this one just for listening. These case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific strategies and numbers of their portfolio. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. Despite his early success, he had gone into the investment industry with next to no prior experience, having worked things with some basic knowledge on positive gearing and finding a good property manager. I did spend some time but it, it was, uh, it, uh, I guess it, it wasn't um, to the point where you know, we, we had, we read 
over and over uh, about properties and the, the economy in the States. It was just more, uh, well, this looks affordable, um, looks like a nice area. Um, yeah, well, but what, what, how much rent can we get from, from this property? Okay, fine. And what's the interest rate? And yeah, basically went ahead with it. Um, so it wasn't, yeah, over overdose of, of research. Yep, yep. And that, that, that was your first um, experience of actually buying investment property, especially you bought it interstate as well too. Well, how did you feel about that first one interstate? I guess we didn't have any issues or concerns because we, we did the, the numbers and the numbers seemed to work. Um, you know, um, this was the interest rate at the time. This is the amount that you, you know, amount of rent you can get, and this is the price. So, um, you know, um, I think it ended up being positively geared, um, and uh, you know, it, it, it's not an area that had huge amount of capital growth, but um, it was uh, affordable for us, and we were able to uh, to to manage the. The, the, well, I mean, we we found a, a good property manager down there, and uh, we uh, we we thought it was it was manageable. So um, because it was positively geared. At one point, Trong owned twelve properties. However, selling two simply because of the overexposure in Hobart. Okay, so currently I have about I think uh, nine right now um, in my portfolio. Um, mainly, I, I describe myself as a buy and hold type of investor. Uh, mainly because I've only sold two prop investment properties that I own, and I bought about twelve in total over the years. Um, I currently have about seven in Hobart and three in Sydney. Um, so I started buying the investment properties in Hobart around two thousand and five. Um, that was the Bernie property um, in Hobart. Um, we held that for about two years, and we managed to sell it um, for thirty percent or so gain, even though it was. Um, uh, only a small amount. Um, we then started buying in Hobart um, after that um, in suburbs like Old Beach, Howrah, Austin City. Um, and we've only ever sold one more investment property over the years. Um, and that was more because to try to... Uh, I think I was, I was, I was overexposed in Hobart, so uh, we decided to, uh, to, to get rid of one of our properties. In the recent years, he has also bought properties in Sydney. However, claiming that his properties in Hobart are easier to maintain. We um, got one unit in Sydney and two homes in Sydney um, in the inner, inner west. Um, so that's done well with uh, the capital growth, um, uh, obviously over the past few years. Um, but um, but the Ho- Hobart's uh, done well due to the fact that it's uh, it, it was positively good for a long time. And so um, during those stages of my life, um, it was easy to to, to maintain. Um, didn't have to worry too much about uh, not being able to make repayments. Property investment isn't all fun and games, though. With Trom himself experiencing problems with some of his tenants, due to such experiences, he encourages property investors to buy landlords' insurance for compensation in the case of unforeseen events. I mean, I think the worst moments I've had in property investment have been tenants. Tenants damaging the properties. <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always bought investment properties in secure areas, suburbs. I guess suburbs with little or no housing commission homes. Um, so I haven't had major issues, but I've had to replace carpets and have to fix holes in walls due to tenants skipping out suddenly. Um, but I think the main lesson I've learned was to always have landlord's insurance. Um, I, I guess because 
uh, of landlords insurance, I've managed to always obtain compensation for tenant issues such as damage and loss of rent. Um, you know, uh, the insurance companies uh, have, have always paid out on, the, on those insurance on those claims, and um, you've got if you've got a, if you've got a good property manager and uh, and landlords insurance, uh, you know, you don't have to worry too much if you know, certain things are damaged. Um, but I guess it's always good to make sure that you try to get the right tenants in the first place. With one particular tenant, Trong was left with an unsalvageable carpet and holes in his property. To this day, he has no clue what happened to those tenants. I've had probably uh, a few properties down in Hobart where uh, you've got a few tenants who um, occasionally, and it may not be... Uh, it may not be their, I guess, uh, natural tendency to, to, to be the way that they, they had been, but um, because of certain stages in their life and certain financial issues they've had in their lives, so they've stopped uh, paying rent or they've had children running around damaging carpets. Or, and, um, I mean, there was one, one incident where um, the tenants skipped out on... on on the um, the lease and uh, um, uh, left with, with with without notification, uh, the ma- property manager came and had a look at the property, and it looked like the the whole uh, lounge room carpet had been uh, damaged by fire or so so forth, and uh, and certain parts of the the, the house had holes in it. Um, yeah, and, and these tenants had quite, been quite good tenants uh, for many years with us. And then uh, for w- one reason or another, um, whether it be by um, yeah, domestic issues or, or because of certain things that happened in their lives or financial problems, um, you know, they, they've changed character. Wow, that's a fascinating story because that, that is very strange because you know, they've been good tenants and then suddenly they skip or, or damage the property. There definitely must be something that, that happened in there. You didn't end up getting to the bottom of this, I assume. You, you, you just went straight through getting landlord's insurance. Is that right? Yeah, we, we never found out where they went or what happened to them. Um, but, uh, yeah, and a lot of the time it could be due to marriage breakup or, yeah, we just went ahead with the claim and, uh, and obviously we, we managed to, 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 to get compensated for that. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's also the hassle of having to deal with. This, with those issues is, is, is a big thing but at least if, if you're compensated by the insurance company for it, that's, it makes it a bit easier. With all his experience as a property investor and his proven track record, he's able to determine his profits as property cycles continue their course. So it took quite a long time for the Hobart ones to go but um, I bought them for quite cheap um, back in the mid-2000s and um, uh, in the past, now that uh, in the past, or so ten or, or eleven years, um, they've all doubled. And um, funnily enough, um, the Sydney properties, which I only bought about five years ago, um, they've all doubled as well. So uh, it's you know obviously the Sydney market uh, boomed at a different time um, and to a greater extent, I guess. But uh, yeah, they've, they've all um, increased by about at least 80% to 100%. The best tip he could give future and current property investors is to always wait it out. He believes that property investment is a long-term commitment. It might not be the most exciting strategy but it certainly is rewarding. 
Uh, I mean, with the Hobart properties, uh, you know, uh, some people would probably say, oh, no, nothing's going to happen, uh, oh, let's just sell out. Um, and I think I, I knew some people that invested in, in that market and did decide to sell out. But um, I thought, you know, just stick it through. You know, it's a long-term thing. It's not, you know, you're in it for the long term. Um, so stick it through. So, inspired by Stephen Trong's story, we'll continue the conversation in a future episode on property investory where we discuss his mindset and strategies. I, I think the only thing that really held me back was was, uh, was trying to find funding or was actually finding the funds for it. Um, the best resources that have led him to success? I mean, funnily enough, I've originally started to get into property podcasts, actually podcasts in general. How he was able to make smart use of his money when buying property? I think it was a consistent purchase of on average about one property every year. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send out exclusively via email, then head over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com to receive your free case studies. Thanks for listening.